Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. I'm just super honored just to be here. Uh, it's super fun to, to laugh in church. You know what I mean? It's good to like share a little giggle in church. Uh, it doesn't have to always be super, super crazy serious. Um, we like to have a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I, I just want you to know this, like the church in Midland is praying for what's happening here. Uh, we get to share when Keith comes and Braden comes, they get to share things that are happening. And, and we're celebrating you from, uh, from a little ways away. And we're just very honored to get to run uh, the race that God has set before Rainy Life Church with you guys. And so you're carrying something very unique for this city. And so I just want to encourage you in that. Uh, I'm excited about sharing today. Um, the message that I'm going to share today is called Go in His Presence and Go in His Power. Go in his presence and go in his power. Uh, that's what I want to talk about today. I have a, a great expectation that this year uh, is going to be a year to remember. And I'm not trying to be cliche. I'm not trying to be a pastor that has to have something catchy to say. I, I truly expect that because I'm in the house of God, that my year can be a year that is one to remember. And that next year can be a year that would be one to remember. One of the, one of the things that I have expectation for is that your favor grows with God and that your favor grows with man. That it should be an expectation. That should be a goal every year that we begin to ask and we begin to pray into, Lord, let my favor grow in every sphere of influence that I have. And so I believe that you're going to see great manifestations of the goodness of God in your life this year. Does anybody agree with me? Do I have anybody that's listening and agreeing with me? Amen. Amen. So would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 33? Exodus 33, I'll give you just a, a minute to, to turn over there. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to bring your Bible to church, uh, but also get familiar with your Bible, but it's gonna be on the screen if you, if you didn't bring one. We're gonna start Exodus 33. I'm gonna start in verse 12. It says this, one day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you're gonna send with me. You have told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. Verse 14, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest, and everything will be fine for you. I believe the Lord is saying that over your life. If you're asking questions, he's saying everything will be fine for you. Everything will be fine for you. It'll be fine for your kids. It'll be fine for you. It'll be fine for your businesses. Everything will be fine for you. He said, um, for your presence among us sets us apart. Set your people apart from all of the other people of the earth. Verse 17, the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked me for. I will look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded in verse 18, then show me your gracious presence. Show me your gracious presence. Again, the title is go forth in his presence and go forth in his power. Will you pray with me for a moment? Father, I thank you. Thank you for what you're about to do in this room. I have great expectation that where two or more are gathered, your word is true, and that you're also in our midst. I think that you would just begin to stir us Open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, 
I pray that we would just grow in a, a great understanding of your word, a great understanding of power, and a great understanding of presence, no matter how old or how young we are. I think that your plan, your purpose, it far exceeds our expectation. So I just ask you, Father, for, for you to be with us. Overtake me in these moments that I would speak things and say things that are on your heart for your people. I thank you for this. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever found yourself in a moment where you, you were completely unaware of something that you should have known was there the whole time? You ever been in a spot where you should have been aware of something that was around you, but you had no clue it was there at all? Women, let me rephrase it like this. You know when your husband asks where something is? This is the moment where they're unaware of the thing that they're looking for, and it was in front of them the whole time. Yes, we need some help. Please be slow with us. Like God, you have to work with what you have. It is what it is. We're, we're, we're slowly coming up. But all of us have been in these positions sometimes where there was, there was something that we should have been aware of that we totally blanked on it. Something you should know about me is I love to prank people. I love to scare people. It gives me so much joy. I know I need help, but I don't want any help at all about this. It just, it, I love it. It does something. It revitalizes me. I hate being scared, though. It's one of the worst things ever. I don't like scary movies. I don't like horror movies. There's nothing for me that I get joy about getting scared. I don't like it. But there was this one moment my daughter, she knows this. My kids know this. My son, he hides behind every little door and every little wall just to try to see if he can scare me all of the time. It's something that happens in our house. And uh, I've done all kinds of things in our office to scare people. It's been a blast. I've hidden uh, fireworks underneath beneath people's office chairs. Um, just anything that I can think of, I believe that they're God thoughts. And so, thank you. <laughs> Your pastor confirmed that their God thoughts, so I'm clear. I don't actually need help at all. The Lord said so, because Keith said it. Um, no, but I love scaring people. And one time, my, my daughter, she's fixing to be 13. We had this, my father-in-law brought us this llama head. It was this, you know, these they're like giant llama heads. You got the screen eyes. And, and he bought us one of these and brought it to our house. My father-in-law brings the most random things that you've could ever think of. He's the, he's the greatest grandparent because he, he always has some crazy spontaneous gift to bring. This happened to be a llama head this time for whatever reason. He saw it in the store and thought we had to have it. So he brought it and he literally gets out of his truck wearing the llama head. He drove from wherever he bought it through town with a llama head on in his vehicle. This is my father-in-law. He's great. But as this, as this llama head hung out around our house, you know, we put it on, we scared each other, we did all these things. I slowly be, began to become numb to the, the llama head that was even around our house. It made it to the kids' room, it made it to toy boxes, it made it to the garage. It kind of just was spread out. And as you've been aware of something that is always constant and always there, you just kind of dismiss it. It doesn't catch your eye as much as it used to. Well, one day in particular, I was working in the garage, and my daughter, at the time, was about probably 10, she was crouched down hiding and just the llama head was sitting on her head. Well, I didn't recognize it because I had gone to this place of not noticing that it was there because it was always there. So I'm doing some things in the garage and I, I go to the door to walk into the, into the kitchen from the garage. And as I get to the door, she jumps out with this llama head on 
And it scared me. So, I've never been so scared in my entire life. And she thought like she had won the, the, the grand prize of all scares. I hate being scared and she mission accomplished. But the thing I want you to understand is this. There are things in our life that we become unaware of. And I believe that we can, if we're not careful, grow unaware of the gift of the presence of God that surrounds us all of the time. We can become unaware of this invitation from the Father to invite his presence to be with us. And so Moses, he makes this statement. He says, if your presence doesn't go, if it doesn't go with us, don't send us. Don't send us. When we become familiar with something, something loses its potency in our life. Much like Moses, and just to kind of give you a little bit of a history and catch you up on where, these, where the people are, where Moses is in this moment, Moses and the people of God, they're on a journey. They literally had been led out of, out of slavery. They're, they're headed to the promised land. They're on a journey just like everyone else in this room. You're on a journey from here to there. God has got something more and extra for you in your life. And so you're on your way to where he has you going. And it is about the journey, but they're on a journey. And up until this point, uh, Moses had gone up onto Mount Sinai one time already. He had gotten the Ten Commandments on the tablet. He had been given the law. He had been given instructions for the tabernacle. And as Moses is up on the mountain, spending time with the Lord for the uh, for the intention of the people, he has the people's heart in mind because God is literally downloading things f- to him for them. They get restless. You ever been restless before? You ever been anxious? Ever been impatient? They, this is where they find themselves. And so they go to Aaron and they say, here's the thing. Here's what we need you to do. Moses, I don't know what happened to him. He's been up there for so long. We don't even know if he's coming down. He's abandoned us. He's left us. Here's what we need you to do. We want you to build us a God. So he gathers in all of his, what was he thinking in this moment? Anyway, I'd love to ask him this question. Uh, So he grabs all of their gold jewelry, their rings, their earrings, their bracelets, and he fashions together, he, he, he melts it all down and he builds a golden calf. So now the children of God, the children of Israel are now worshiping a false God. They're worshiping this golden calf, even giving this golden calf credit for leading them out of bondage. While Moses is still on the mountain, this is happening down low. God tells Moses, hey, Mo, your people, they're back at it again. They're messing things up. I'm giving you things that they shouldn't be doing. They're already breaking rules that you haven't even got to give them yet. They're way ahead of the game. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and sometimes we hadn't grown out of that childish state. Moses literally, in his frustration, comes down from the mountain, sees this golden image, has this kind of a conniption fit, a come apart. He shorts out, whatever you want to call it. He breaks the tablets that the Lord had literally used his finger to etch the Ten Commandments. He breaks them. He takes their golden calf, destroys it, burns it, turns it into dust. Moses is having a giant meltdown in this moment. And this conversation between God and Moses that leads us into this statement that Moses makes, God Because of the sin of the people, God said, here's the thing. I need you to lead them into this land that's flowing with milk and honey. But because of their sin, I'm not going with you any further on the journey. This is what God's telling Moses. And Moses has this this moment with God, this dialogue with God to the point where Moses is like, okay, but listen, if you don't go, then how will anyone know that you're with us? 
So he talks, basically he talks God. Moses had this ability, I don't know if you noticed this about Moses' life, to change God's mind. There was that moment where he was gonna wipe out everyone and then Moses stands in the gap for him and, and God relents and he changes his mind. In this moment, God says, okay, here's the thing, Moses, I'll, I'll, actually, I'll actually go with you and I'll give you peace and I'll give you rest. And that's when Moses makes that statement. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. See, Moses knew that without the presence of God on his life, he was not going to be able to lead the people as God intended for him to lead the people. He knew that in and of himself, he didn't have what it took to lead them to the promised land. And as I was thinking about this message, this story, a personalized story came up in me. Uh, I've shared this story several times and I'm not gonna dive into the detail of it again, but uh, when my daughter was about 10, she was having tremendous amounts of anxiety and night terrors, and she would feel like there was a dark presence in her room when she would go to sleep, and, and she would come into the living room or come into my room, and she'd be hysterically crying and just not able to function. And what she would do is she would ask me to go into her room with her. And once I went into the room with her, she had a new ability to withstand the thing that she was afraid of. Why? Because the presence of her father went with her. And in the midst of the presence of the Father, when you know that you have the Father with you, because when you invite his presence, that, that's who you're getting. You're getting the person of God. When she knew that she was getting the person of her Father and her Father's presence, in the room where she felt something dark and in the room where she felt fear, she already automatically had a new ability to withstand the thing that she was afraid of because dad was with her. It's like having a big brother when you need him in a fight. And the big brother's bigger than everyone else and he just shows up and everyone cowers down, it's similar, it's just better. And I was thinking about this story about Presley. When she was able to face this great fear, she was able to do it because she knew that I was in the room. I wonder what you might do if you knew that he was in the room. I wonder how you might respond if you knew that he was in the room. I wonder how you might lead your meeting if, he, if you knew that he was in the room backing you. I wonder what raise you might ask for if he was in the room and you knew he was backing you. I wonder what you wouldn't settle for if you knew that he was in the room with you. When you ask for his presence, you get him. When you invite his presence, you get him. So when you make a statement like Moses did, that if your presence doesn't go with me, please don't send me, what you're saying is, I know that I've come to the end of me, and I know that if I'm gonna go any further into what you've designed me for, I have to have you coming with me. The beautiful thing about the story with my daughter is, as she, as she walked in this moment, and as she understood that I was with her, she became more and more confident that she could do it alone, not because she didn't need me, but because I had rubbed off everything that I had and I'd given it to her. That's what happens in the presence of God. The presence, it sets us apart, Moses said. It sets us apart from all of the other people on the earth. Did you know that, that born-again believers, Christians, we should be at the forefront of everything? We should be at the forefront of education. We should be leading the pack in entertainment. We should be leading the pack in business. We should be leading the pack in tech. They should be looking at us to get ideas of how to grow their business. Why? 
Because we have the presence of God that literally is with us every single moment of every single day, the instant that we say, Holy Spirit, will you come? Holy Spirit, I'm walking into a meeting. Will you be with me? Father, will you come with me into this conversation? I don't know how I'm going to deal with this situation at work, or I'm not sure how I'm going to navigate this situation at school, but I'm inviting you to come. Will you just come with me? We should be leading the pack. FYI. I want to show you a few things that happened to Moses when he was with the Lord. See, because he went up onto Mount Sinai a second time. He had, destroyed this, he had destroyed the tablets with the Ten Commandments. The Lord had to do that again. And as he gets up there, he's like, okay, bring me the tablets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restore the tablets. I'm going to redo the tablets that you smashed. So we find this in Exodus chapter 34. I'm going to start in verse 28. I'm going to read a little bit of this to you. It says, Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. And all that time, he ate no bread and he drank no water. And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, on the stone tablets. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he was, had spoken with the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them and asked Aaron and all the leaders of the community to come over, and he talked with him. Then all the people of Israel approached him, and Moses gave them all the instructions that the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with him, he covered his face with a veil. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, this was kind of a private meeting place that, the, that Moses had set up for him and God. They said that when he had went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him, and the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So it continued. So he would put the veil over his face until he would return to speak with the Lord. I want to point out just a few things about this. Abiding in the presence of God will cause you to lose sight of you. Resting in the presence of God will cause you to lose sight of you. Sometimes, more times than not, we need to actually get out of the way. We need to stop looking at ourselves the way that we look at ourselves, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We all walk into a, a, a bathroom. We see ourselves in a mirror. We make sure we ain't got no bugs or anything like that. But we also see things that no one else sees. We don't, sometimes we don't see the man or the woman of God that stands in place or in front of that mirror. We see all of the battles, all of the scars, all of the things that are unfixed, the unsettled things, the settled things. We could quickly die, die, dissect ourselves in these moments. But in the presence of God, you lose sight of yourself. See, Moses it said that he didn't recognize or he was unaware that his face had changed. This is profound. He, he had been so engulfed in, what, in who God was that he didn't realize that his face had become so vibrantly glowing and so radiant that even the people, when he came down, couldn't look at him the same. Being in the presence will slowly make you start focusing your attention on the things that are God and not your insufficiencies. We need this. We need this moment of seeing ourselves in a completely different way. Because if you look at God, you'll find yourself. Because you're made in his likeness and in his image. 
The second thing about being in the presence of God is it causes transformation. Moses' face literally changed so much so that he had to put something over it that shielded the people because they were afraid of it. Notice who these people were in this moment. This is Aaron who helped build the false God. And these are people that were actually worshiping a false God. They were the ones that God said, I'm not going with you because of them. If I go with you, I'm gonna destroy them because of their sin. What I'm saying is this, when you spend moments and you spend time in the presence, when you intentionally make time, this is not accidental. This is carved out, I'm gonna create intimate moments with you. Something happens to you where you're transformed in such a way that not only do the people that know you best look at you different, but even people that are unsaved, they know that they gotta get close to you, they're just not sure how. When Moses came down from the mountain, he didn't just come back as Moses. Yes, he was transformed, yes, his face changed, all that. Moses came down from the mountain anointed. I'm gonna explain what this is. So you have God's presence, which is, which is God himself. God's anointing is the manifestation or the result of being in his presence. And what the anointing of God is, is the power of God. Moses came down and as a result in being in God's presence, he came down endowed with power from God. This is what happens every time that you choose to intentionally separate or carve out time to get alone with a father. When I take on this position of, Lord, show me your presence, or Lord, I don't desire to go forward if your presence doesn't go with me, he takes me into this place where I encounter his goodness, I encounter his grace, I encounter his loving kindness towards me, and slowly but surely, what I walked in feeling like and what I walked in thinking that I look like, it began to change because now the Father is taking himself and he's smearing and rubbing him himself into who I am. Like oil on your skin, the Lord begins to rub. The word anoint in the Hebrew means to rub in. In the Greek, it means to smear. When I'm in his presence, he's smearing himself into me. We have to have this. You have to get this. There isn't another option. There's not another option for the family that you have. There's not another option for the people that you're called to, to minister to or the people that you're called to influence. If you don't do it in God's power, you're doing it in your own and they'll get nothing but you. But if you do it in God's presence, they get you, but they get you with him on top of you and they see your good works, but they glorify the Father who is in heaven. There's this process that God invites us into all of the time, 24 seven, there's always an open invitation for if you'll just come away with me, slowly but surely you'll lose sight of the thing that you don't feel like you're adequate at. You'll slowly lose sight of your insecurity. You'll slowly lose sight of the thing that is an insufficiency. And if you'll just let me start mending my way and start smearing and rubbing myself into you, you'll walk out clothed in power and everything around you starts adjusting to you when you walk in the room. That's what happened to Moses. Everything changed about his demeanor and everything changed about his appearance so much so they had to just make an adjustment to it. I'm not saying that 
you need to be anointed so that you could stand up here and preach a message. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you need to spend time with the Lord and let him rub off on you and you come out anointed so that you could play an instrument to lead worship. That's not, that's not the reality. The reality is you need the anointing of God on your life and the presence of God in your life because he needs you to be who you're supposed to be when you're checking out at HEB. He needs you to be who you're supposed to be when you're walking the hallways of your school. And if you'll allow him to clothe you in his power, things around you will shift and change. If you live in this city, you're designed to infect and change the city and influence it. If you live in another community, you're designed to influence and change wherever it is until the Lord moves you. But don't do it within yourself. Do it within the invitation that the Lord offers you. Allow yourself to get so ingrained and so engulfed in his presence that you're okay with being you in his presence and before you know it, you walk out becoming a different version of you and everything around you has to respond. You were designed to lead the pack. You're designed to lead the pack at your school. You're, de you're designed to lead the pack in your company. I'm not telling you to take on an arrogant perspective or a prideful perspective. I'm telling you to rise up and be a son and daughter of the Most High God who's putting his power on your life so that when all of a sudden you're in a situation that you're unsure of, all of a sudden you don't know if you have the ability because the anxiety and the fear is so heavy, you realize that the Father is with you and he's given you everything that he had and now you're endowed with power to actually be who you're designed to be for the company or for the family or for the school that you, you're a part of. This is what it looks like to influence everything around you. And he's giving you an open invitation. I love this about the Father. I love this about the Father that he trusts you and he trusts me with each other. That's a heavy weight, but with his power and with his presence, we can step into something that we've never dreamed about. I have two questions. Do you want his presence to go with you? And do you wanna operate in his power? Do you want his presence to go with you? And do you want to operate in this power? If your answer is yes to either of those questions, I'm just gonna ask you to stand up. If your answer is yes to either of those questions, I just want you to stand right where you are. If your answer is no, it's totally fine. There's no condemnation in the room. Be who you are. The Lord will get you later. <laughs> it is what it is. It's gonna happen. Yeah, this is cool. Father, I thank you for boldness and courage, steps of faith, standing in faith. I thank you for this. I thank you for your word and the promise. Jesus, you said that greater works would we do than you did because you go to the Father. And you gave us this ultimate gift, this ultimate counselor, the, the, the Holy Spirit, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving and convicting hearts. That is your job, not mine. And so I ask you to just begin to move in the room and just begin to shift hearts, shift things around in hearts. Thanks, Jesus. Yeah, would you, would you say, this, say this with me? Father, I ask you right now that your presence would come with me. I invite you into this room. I invite you into me right now. And I thank you 
that you would make me very aware of the power that you've put on my life. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.